When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Dutch Given and a very busy episode because we've got not one but two guests. In fact, we've got more guests than listeners this week, I think, for the first time ever. And it is myself, Toby Tarrant, it is Daniel Norcross, and it is birthday boy, oh. Mr. Stephen Finn as well. Happy birthday, Finny. Shall we you sing? Look Shall we delighted sing? Delighted to be spending some time on your birthday with me and Dan. You look really happy about it. Yeah, if you start singing, I'll literally just switch Zoom off and I won't come back. So please don't. I'm going to do the full seven-minute Stevie Wonder version of Happy Birthday, if that's okay with you, Finny. Well, you bat like Stevie Wonder, but <laughs> I don't want to hear you. I can't imagine you sing like it. Um, so, so I'm okay, thanks. I'll pass on that one. But thank you for your birthday wishes. I actually always forget that you're younger than me, Toby, because I look at your hairline on this and I think, how the fuck is that bloke younger than me? <laughs> so you wouldn't know what it's like to be 33 yet. But Dan, I'm sure, can concur with me that there's absolutely nothing special about it. So, um, yeah. so yeah, thank you, but no thanks. Nothing special about it, Finney. But I, I think we did a podcast a year ago around, it must have been on your birthday or not right next to it, because well, fucking probably because I end up on this thing on every significant date in my life, which is sorry completely depressing as well. <laughs> yeah, but it's also it's also Jonathan Agnew's birthday. I mean, in the hierarchy of TMS commentators, he still remains slightly above you. So I, I had to send him the birthday greeting first. I hope you don't mind that. I got round to your one about half an hour later. Is that okay? That's absolutely fine. Yeah, I know that I'm currently incapable of lacing Agnew's boots, and I'm. Entirely comfortable with them. Now, do you know who else you share a birthday with, Finny? Other celebrities? Because I've got a list here. No. No, I okay. don't. Uh, well, you share a birthday with uh, Karen Brady. Ooh. Jane McDonald. Uh, Jane McDonald. Yeah. She's a, she's a singer on the, on the... Actually, I think Aggers was on a cruise ship with Jane McDonald. She's always on a bloody cruise ship. She lives on Ooh. cruise ships, doesn't she? Yeah, um, a crooner. She's a crooner on a cruise ship. Dave Hill from Slade, bit before your time, Finney. 
And similar face, but no. by far the most impressive one, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, happy with that. Yeah, very suave and similar like that, you know. Yeah, I'd say you're a bit more Jane McDonald than Robert Downey Jr., but it's not a bad list. It's not a bad list. Who have you got? I mean, you should mention Robert Downey Jr. I tried to pitch to Robert Downey Jr. that he buy a pound of Madonna's breast milk cheese for a million dollars about right. 10 years ago. I've got a few questions. How on earth did you end up in the same room as Robert Downey Jr.? Well, I, I, I hang around in those kind of circles. No, um, you don't. You only have cricketers <laughs> from the 70s on your sofa at all times. <laughs> Well, they occasionally, it's like, you know, it's seven degrees of separation, isn't it? So, you know, you get invited to a party, invited to a party. I just had this idea that I thought celebrity human cheese might be a goer when I was looking for money. Okay. And did he go for any? No, which is a real surprise, actually, because um, I thought it would be right up his street. This sounds I mean, an awful I, lot. I've, right? got, I've got to be honest with you. I hadn't checked first with Madonna if she was up for it either. So right. there were, you know, there were a couple of parts of the plan that, mm had not quite come together. But right. you can see where my thinking was going. I mean, I was floundering around in the dark. I, I was I was doing test match sofa at the time, so I wasn't getting paid anything. And I was desperate for a get-rich-quick scheme. And I thought, if I could sell Hollywood cheese to Hollywood, mm. then, you know, that I would guess be as well, if she's wearing those cone bras, it's quite useful because they're already sort of shaped a bit like a... Yeah. She could pipe out the cheese. You could express it. Exactly. Yeah. You could express it. That's exactly what I was thinking. You, yeah. you, that's precisely where my brain was going. Um, now, Finny, the cricket season is just around the corner. As if you couldn't get any happier, you're spending your birthday with us. And the cricket season's just around the corner. How are you feeling? Are you going to take loads of wickets this year? I hope so. You obviously don't want to presume anything, but I feel in good order at the moment, better order than I've been for a number of years now, which is a positive sign. I'm thoroughly enjoying being with my new teammates at Sussex. They've given me a lot of life and a lot of energy. The, the thing that hasn't given me life or energy this week is the weather that we've had to play in. It's been about seven degrees and pulling up for your second, third and fourth spells is fucking hard work, to be honest. <laughs> Especially <laughs> here, you, you forget how exposed you are to the coast here with the hill and everything at Sussex. So, you know, whilst you're standing in the outfield, it's very easy to stiffen up like a board. So aside from that, I'm very much looking forward to the start of the season, yes. Genuinely, well, you know, can I just can, sorry. sorry, Toby? I just want to interject because I checked out the forecast for your first fixture because you're playing Nottinghamshire. We are, and the forecast for Friday is that you might get heavy snow. There's there's a, a warm weather front just sh- just coming into the south coast, and it's going to hit a blast of cold Arctic air coming down from the east. So you may not have to bowl. You might be okay because um, you might get snowed off. Or you might find yourself just out there with the snow tantalizingly just off the coast, but the icy cold blast blowing into your face as you go. Are you are you going to go downhill or uphill at home? And it's a big difference. I've done a bit of um, I've done a bit of both, and yeah, it's an amazingly big difference actually. I mean, I've always really bowled with the slope going across at Lords from left to right, generally from the pavilion end, and it's a significant slope. But yeah, bowling straight up and down a slope, it's amazing how different it feels I bowled in the games last week I bowled down the hill and felt like I was bowling decent pace decent carry and then I bowled up the hill I felt like I was bowling Toby Tarrant's pace which is absolute rat's pace and yeah you, you realize that you're almost playing two different games when you're bowling at either end which is uh it's a fascinating caveat to playing cricket at Sussex but one that 
most bowlers only want to be on one end what, of. What's Ollie, what's Ollie Robinson's preferred end? Just out of interest. The top end. The top Is end. It? Oh, dear. You might yeah. want to come well, up. Apparently, Joffre likes coming up. Oh, does he? Really? Yeah, oh. that's handy. Yeah, so Ollie and Joffre can open the bowling and I'll just come on a, a lazy little first change. Why don't you just tell them all to fuck off, Vinny? Because at the end of the day, it's a very young side at Sussex. And say to, I know Ollie Robinson's the new darling of the English bowling attack, but why don't you turn around and say, look, pal, when you've got 125 test wickets, then you can pick an end. But until that day, sunshine, I'm senior man here and just pull rank. Well, he, he might have 125 test wickets by the time I play with him. <laughs> <laughs> the rate he's going. I uh... Not wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, no, I think we're going to have him available for either three or four out of the first six games, which will be a, a handy addition to our team. And then I, I don't know exactly what's happening with Joffre, but I think from what I've read in the press, he's going to be fit for the start of the blast. So I may actually end up getting most of May and June off as well with, with the <laughs> T20 blast. <laughs> and seeing as I haven't been picked up in the 100, I could have a fair bit of spare time to, um, to come and nick Dan Norcross's jobs for the next few months. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. All right. Well, I mean, you 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 you've made a good start, but you know, when you when you've played thirty seven test matches behind the mic, then come and talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> now, genuinely, Finney, you touched on it there, but obviously, it was a it was a big deal for you to move from Middlesex, where you'd been your entire career from a very young age. Are you delighted with the fact that you've moved to Sussex? Do you feel like it's reignited a bit of hunger in the game of cricket? Yeah, definitely. It's probably no secret that I hadn't enjoyed cricket for the last couple of years at Middlesex for a number of reasons. COVID obviously uh, made a big part of that and having not played the cricket or the amount of cricket that I'd have liked in the last few years, you you find yourself sitting around second team games and wondering what the fuck am I doing? But yeah, this has certainly given me a new lease of life to come down here and, and be with this really young, exciting team. It just feels like a complete fresh start. And even as much as moving home, turning up to a new place of work each day, um, not having to drive 45 minutes to the facilities every day is an added bonus. It's a five minute cruise around the corner for me, which is a a very, very handy thing about Sussex. And it feels like a real family club and and everyone's buying into the same thing, which again is something that I'm really excited about. And um, yeah, I've only got positive things to say about it all at the moment. And Hopefully that will continue as the summer wears on. Genuinely, we give you lots of abuse um, on this podcast, but uh, it is your birthday, so I'll be nice this once. But for those those guys in the changing room, I mean, you are Stephen Finn who played a lot for England. There must be guys in there that grew up watching you bowl in an England shirt and have got very happy memories of watching you bowl in an England shirt as well. It must be quite cool for some of the younger guys to have you in the changing room now. Well, I suppose you'd have to ask them that because I would never be big-headed enough on a podcast that's being recorded to ever say that, it would be a pleasure to share a dressing room with me, even though obviously it would. Um, there's absolutely no doubt about that. But yeah, if I, I can't start sitting here as if I'm some fountain of knowledge, albeit I am. Um, but you, you know, some, <laughs> it, it's not not the sort of thing that I think about. But I certainly like working with these young guys. It is slightly scary when I tell them that my first class debut was in 2005 and they tell me they were born in 2004. Uh, that, that's a bit strange but yeah I've really enjoyed it so far and everyone's warm to me and I've warmed to them um so yeah it's a hopefully for the next two or three years we'll really enjoy it and then maybe even beyond that well it gets underway this week Sussex versus Nottinghamshire I'll be having the county scorecard open on my BBC Sport app and constantly refreshing the score and seeing how you're getting on Finney and don't forget there's no fielders over the rope when you're batting go big 
Just one quick reminder, Tobes, can you help us out on this? What, what did we agree was Finney's challenge for the season? I, th- I think we set him something like 25 boundaries, didn't we? We decided 20, that we decided 20, that sixes after last season's pathetic attempt to try. I don't think he hit a single six. It was across all. It was across all cricket. Was it? It was twenty five yeah, boundaries across all cricket. I think so. I think we made it easier for with his Woodstock bat. I mean, well, to be I'll fair, what, I had a net. I had a net yesterday, and Christ, I'm hitting them well. So, um, so yeah, don't don't <laughs> well, set the uh, don't set the challenges too small. Well, your exact words to us a few weeks ago were you're batting like a right-handed Matthew Hayden. So we look forward to seeing mm. that when the season gets underway. Uh, now, I'm very excited to say that our first guest has just joined us and it is the very brilliant, very talented Mr. Chris Addison. Hello, Chris. How are you doing? All right. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us as well. For people that don't know Chris Addison, who have been living under a rock for the last few years, uh, famous for the thick of it, in the loop, Veep, Breeders, you name it. He's done it, basically. Chris, we got you on because you are a massive, massive, massive cricket fan, uh, particularly the women's cricket as well. And the World Cup, first of all, just the tournament as a whole. I don't know about you, but I'm absolutely gutted it's over. There's a massive hole in my life now because the tournament, could it went above and beyond anything anyone could have expected. It was an unbelievable few weeks, wasn't it? It was extraordinary. I I can't think of a better... World Cup, like I just just in terms of the the closeness of the number of matches, right up until the end, right up until after the group stages and into the knockout. The knockout, you know, uh, two teams just sort of fell over at that point. But before that, it was really everything was close. Even even the mighty Australia versus Bangladesh. Even Australia had a kind of wobble uh, against Bangladesh. It's it's been just kind of thrilling cricket uh, all the way through until, as I say, the sort of the knockout stages at the end. But, you know, what it shows is is the progress of women's cricket as a whole, I think, that, that we've got to this point where there are teams, you know, there was a point where it was basically England and Australia and India kind of, and then some other people. Uh, and it's, it's just not that anymore. Although that isn't to say that it's, a, you know, it is, it's basically, it's like two, two, uh, different competitions were running at the same time. One was Australia have a lovely day out, and the other one was the rest of the World Cup, uh, and uh, and they they're running they're running in parallel with each other, but they're fundamentally different competitions. But yeah, it was great, absolutely and, great. And, and England won the rest of the World Cup, which is- England won the rest of the World Cup, which is the bigger of the tournaments. Really, Australia are the only one in the Australia have a lovely day out competition. So you know, we won more in in that respect. But what, what's what's beautiful about your tweeting is it, it genuinely comes from a place of knowledge, Chris, because, you know, there can be a lot of people who want to sort of dabble in it. But your kind of um, your, your immersion in the competition, and there, there was a sort of group in cricket Twitter, wasn't there? Because it's a very unhelpful time of day. It's a very unhelpful part yeah, of the sure world. You know, I mean, I don't quite know why when the British decided to colonise New Zealand and Australia, they didn't just stay there and just play cricket yeah. there because it's absolutely screwed with all of, of our, you know, with insomnia, nephritis. Yeah. Um, I've got, I've got high blood pressure. Um, <laughs> Dan, you had all of those things before the women's world. Well, Cup started. yeah, it's and you weren't being paid for any of them. And <laughs> now you're being paid for, now those things are actually tax deductible. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good to know. I hadn't thought about that, but, <laughs> but, but you, but you, you, you were genuinely part of that whole scene and you were on it from the beginning of the world cup through to oh, the yeah. end while still working. Um, just take us back to how you felt having committed to this madness <laughs> when England lost the first three games. I mean, how much did you lose belief or did you just, what did you, how did you see it? I, I've, I felt, 
I felt bad for them because they come off the back of they'd come off the back of a really problematic time in Australia, where I really had thought that they were going to do better than they did in Australia. I was I was surprised that they came away kind of winless because ultimately they are a phenomenal team. That that sort of the Central uh, England women's team is uh, it's a really really great. I mean, if you look at the the men's team going out to 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 bat against Australia and and you know sort of trooping off kind of with a you know with hangdog expressions and that sense of we're being sent over the top with just sticks of rhubarb that. that you know, and, and you look at the women that if, from the beginning, you would have thought, oh, the women are the ones who are going to cause Australia some some issues here. And they never did. And I just felt like they took that with them into the into the beginning. And I began to think I began to worry that they'd lost their self-belief. And the most extraordinary thing about it is, and this has been commented on a lot, the most extraordinary thing about how they comported themselves in that um, in that eventuality was just that they somehow head and night managed to get and Lisa Kiley managed to get that team to believe in themselves again to the point where they won so many on the bounce so convincingly that that they were then you know ultimately in the final then they trounced South Africa in the in in the semi-final so it is do you know what it made me feel it made me feel good about the English mindset because so often the problem with cricket between England and Australia is the meeting of two very, very different mindsets, national mindsets, not just about the, the, the cricket, that the, it's the countries that those people come from. Australians, God bless them. I love them. I love them so much, but they're simple people. Uh, and uh, <laughs> they are, they're, they're untroubled often by, um, you know, by self-doubt in a way that the, it's sort of bred into English people. It's, in, it's, in, it's rude in, in England to be, uh, to believe in yourself too much and to and to to state those things whereas in australia that's the fucking currency mate and that is how it's supposed to be and that's why they are unbeatable so um uh, in in men's and women's cricket and so uh, it was really nice to see that kind of diffident english mentality which can be the death of cricket uh, abroad as we as we well know um manage not quite to sink uh, a, a, an english cricket team but also in, in that final, I mean, I, I thought what was brilliant about what England did in that run chase, faced with 356. It's a ridiculous number of runs. It's a record. It's insane. Yeah. It is insane. But, you know, yeah. I, they kept going. I mean, for me, they kept going too hard. Catherine Brunt, don't come yeah. charging down the wicket to your fourth ball when Siver's not out on 80 at the other end. Yeah. But Nat Siver, 148 yeah. not out. I mean, that's one of the greatest innings in a World Cup final that will that was overshadowed, frankly, yeah. by an even greater innings. Well, as has been said many times uh, since Sunday, that is, in un- any other circumstances, a match-winning uh, knock. You know, that if, if you have somebody scoring that amount of runs in your side in a one day, you've won. You've won. There's, there's no question about that. But they were up against, you know, they were up against the greatest side in the world by, by some distance who were posting insane, just insane totals collectively and individually and yeah and that's it I mean it, it was a shame that nobody kind of stuck around with her um because I, I yeah that, I think England knew that they had to come out and play quite positive cricket they had to be attacking from the start and you could see that you could see the way that Tammy Beaumont just started with you know just just started knocking them about which isn't the way that she generally starts she started knocking them about because they needed to do that. That's that was that was how they had to how, how they had to act, and that's why Catherine Brunt was was doing that. But yeah, in in the in the middle there, it would have been helpful if if some people and, and there are definitely people who are more than capable of of backing up 
Nat Siver whilst she does the the Nat Siver thing. It's interesting though that just just uh, tonight the um the whoever deals with these statistics officially or unofficially she's basically down as the MVP, Nat Siver, not uh, not uh, Elisa Healy or, or you know Elise Berry or anybody like that or Meg Lanning, but but Nat Siver is down as um as the MVP across the across the tournament because she's extraordinary, well, extraordinary. Well, she got over two, she got over two hundred and fifty runs unbeaten. Yeah, against Un- unbeaten against the Borg against the Borg. Yeah, I mean, I- you know, in, in in two games, two unbeaten hundreds. Yeah, they couldn't get her out. Yeah, that that we've got to be able to take that forward to the next one, haven't we? And and do you think, yeah. Chris? Look, you've watched women's cricket for a while now. Is it time for just for us to, you know, the likes of Izzy Wong? Is it time for, you know, um, Alice Capsey? We've got some yeah. fantastic young cricketers in this yeah. country. Yeah. But you know what? I, my wife and I were talking about that exact, exact thing this evening. It's really interesting. There was a great piece on the Cricket Her blog earlier today when they were talking about. They basically the the argument of the piece was that there are now two. There's a choice in front of of the England women now, which is, do you concentrate on the Commonwealth Games, which is coming up later this year, and which Australia will win, self evidently, and do do you try and get as far as you can with that with the team that you have in in place, with some of those fantastic uh, uh, players who have been such great, um, you know, such great ambassadors for cricket, let alone brilliant servants of the of the game, or do you now from this moment start to try and rebuild? And you have, you know. The the thing about the hundred, love or hate the hundred, it did bring out some fantastic new prospects for um for women's cricket. Izzy Wong was very exciting last year. Alice Capsey, the way that she sort of announced herself um uh, for the Invincibles against the London Spirit, that it was extraordinary. And not only, you know, if you look in the um if you look down the list of of Surrey's women players, it says Alice Capsey bowler. And you go, what? Bowler? <laughs> and like you forget that she, you know, she is she has these astonishing figures as a bowler, as much as she's she's an extraordinary all-rounder and exactly the kind of person that we we need to be we need to be bringing on at this point there's lots of talk of course about the 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 wonderful Catherine Brunt and you know how far she is close to you know the the end of her career with England she's going to be 37 soon the next one is in three years so she'll be nearly 40 at least by by that time is she realistically going to play in that is Anya Shrubsoul the hero of 2017 is she going to play in that um do we need to be moving moving on and do we need the the england side to be bringing people into games that are important like the commonwealth games and giving them that sort of match practice and in in an international environment and then allowing them hopefully to be able to move towards 2025 but so much of it comes down to and this gets talked about a lot there's a lot that the england side have to do and there are a lot of questions that they have to ask but the biggest one is whether the ECB and England cricket in general is uh, really that committed to women's cricket. And then they will say, yes, Claire Connor will tell you, yes, the ECB will tell you, yes, of course they are. They've put this new structure in place. It's been there for a year and that was, you know, largely during the pandemic. So it's, it's, it's going to take a while to, to even longer than it would otherwise have done to take any kind of effect. But even so there are 70 contracts for women uh, in the ECB system, in Australia, there are 120 contracts, and that is in a in a country where it's the national sport. Cricket is not the national sport here. We all love it, 
we all love it. We'd all like it to be the national sport, but it isn't the national sport. Fewer people in this country play cricket than do in Australia. So the 120 people are going to come from, you know, statistically a better selection of people than even than our than our 70. A lot has to be done. And that attitude that the ECB have had for years of, well, the women's game needs to prove itself as popular before we'll put before we'll put money into it has to be reversed because the way that you will get it popular is by making it successful you have to be the leaders on this there is clearly the talent out there there's clearly when when we you know when we show people women's cricket in a way that it can be shown like you know when the hundred is on or when something goes free to air it's responded to really really well and if you ever go to a women's cricket game the number of girls there you know for whom it's so incredibly important that you know you you make it bigger you make it more visible that stuff will come, but you have to put the investment into the domestic structure in a way that even yet it hasn't been done in this country. Yeah, I completely agree. And you mentioned there as well, that uh, I think the hundred in the end, and it's had its naysayers and its critics yeah. and also Finney sulking because he didn't get a contract this year. So he's slagging it off. But uh, <laughs> it was, I think it really was the highlight for the hundred. I, I, I found myself yeah. watching the women's games more than the men's games. I, I, I thought it was such a great watershed moment for the women. And I think, the ECB money talks at the end of the day. We like to think they just do it for the, the good of their hearts, but money yeah. talks. And I think they saw how marketable the women's game was in the hundred. I think that tournament could be a real springboard for them going forward. Uh, Chris, we will let you go. We're going to talk a bit about the hundred coming up and the start of the new season as well. But just to put some statistics on how bloody good this Australian side are. It's their seventh ODI crown. They've currently got both World Cups and an Ashes series under their belt. They've won 38 of their last 39 ODIs. And... I was watching that final and just every time we took a wicket, I'd be excited for 10 seconds until you saw who was coming out next. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just an unbelievable cricket side and a joy to watch. And like you say, I don't think there's any shame in England losing in the final to Australia. Basically, we were the best of the rest and it was a, a, a wonderful end to a wonderful tournament. Dan's putting his finger up in the air, which normally means he's got something incredibly dull to say. Dan, you can have the final word with Chris. Well, I've got, I've got two things I want to say to Chris. Firstly, because I've got um, Chris as a witness... I want to, <laughs> uh -oh. on, on this program, uh, I am largely poo-pooed by these two young people because I like to talk about, you know, things that have happened before they were born and they, they, they refuse to recognise that those things ever happened. So I want to tell you something that you may not know and I want to gauge your reaction. Are you aware that Andre the Giant, the wrestler, you know, the great wrestler? Yes, Andre, I know exactly who you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know that he was driven to school every day by the only Nobel Prize winner to play first-class cricket, Samuel Beckett. I did not know that, and immediately that's a film. That's it's clearly a movie, isn't it? Isn't it absolutely fantastic? And apparently, yeah. Andre the Giant was quoted as saying they were among the happiest days of his life, and all they ever talked about was cricket. As he, as he was driven to school in Paris. It was because Andre was so huge, he couldn't apparently fit on the school bus. And Samuel Beckett was his dad's neighbour. And he offered to drive him to school. He said, because obviously being a poet, he had oh, loads of time in the morning. So he used to drive Andre the Giant to school, which I think is absolutely magnificent. Well, I know, uh, it's incredible, isn't it? And, and lastly, lastly, before you go, I just want to ask a question about men's cricket because you've been brilliant on women's cricket. But um, there's a feeling within the men's game at the moment yeah. that England's coaches have been a little bit soft on them for a while now. We've had Trevor Bayliss, being I say, you know, bloody gentle. And we've had Chris Silverwood, who's, you know, not dissimilar. D do you think it's time for uh, like a Malcolm Tucker character 
to take over men's cricket. Well, what you have to remember about Tucker is that he fucking hates cricket. So that so it might be the, <laughs> the, the worst possible thing for you to do. It used to be when we were making the thick of it, I was I, I was almost alone in in liking cricket. In fact, to the point where they eventually put a scene in, I think, where Julius Nicholson uh, is trying to listen to the test through through a long night because basically Armando and Peter uh, hated it. They just they just don't get it. And I thought I'd be backed up by the right but they're all football people they don't care about cricket at all so i felt yeah i felt i felt very alone there yeah you know why 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 not nothing else has worked let's uh let's get in some big sweary fucker uh and <laughs> see how that, uh-huh. see how that goes i'd love to be a fly on the wall if tucker was in the changing room after another abject england batting performance it would be absolutely wonderful wouldn't it it would be beautiful chris thank you so much we're gonna let you go but will you come back and see us another time please absolutely mate? thanks fellas it's a lovely podcast thanks for cheers chris on. Thank you very much. Uh, And we say goodbye to one guest uh, who nearly got away without being bored to tears by Dan Norcross, but then you brought out even by your standards a dull anecdote there. What? Samuel Samuel Beckett and Andre the Giant. If that is dull, I I just give up. I give up. Let's ask our next guest. You introduce our next guest. Let's ask our next guest (laughs) if she is not wowed by that incredible fact. I have to admit, annoyingly, that was one of your better ones. Uh, Now, our next guest. (laughs) is the brilliant Erica Morris, who is a huge cricket fan. And if you don't mind me saying, Erica, a massive cricket geek as well. And I mean that as the absolute compliment. Yeah, I think I will take that as a compliment, to be honest. I will take it exactly how it's meant. But yeah, I think like all of us, I am a a complete cricket tragic who absolutely loves looking at stats and data. So I'm about as geeky as they can get, to be honest. Perfect. You'll fit right in here. Finney's, (laughs) Finney's cool in a way. But uh, but he's also got an earring and me and Dan Norcross are a, a huge cricket geek. So you'll fit right in. Um, so we were retweeting some of the stuff that you've been looking into recently, Erica. Now, how did this all begin? How far back does this go that you would just start pouring over cricket statistics? Oh, to be honest, the statistics side of it has probably only started in the last few months. I've loved cricket for far too long. I'm going to show my age now. And I think... I was studying for my A-levels in 1997 and was trying to do anything other than revise. And I just found cricket on the TV one day and that was it. I was hooked since then. But the statistics side of it has only really started in the last few months, mainly around, again, being a complete tragic. I play fantasy cricket games. So I was doing some research for the World Cup into players, what the best players were, batting averages, bowling averages, trying to work out who could be the best people in my team. Um, So I did that for myself for the World Cup and then just started sharing it with kind of like-minded people on on Twitter and it just seems to have taken off from there. It really seems to have found a niche with people who like cricket and data. It just seems to go well together. It's done more than that, Erica. It has saved a really lazy broadcaster from having to do the work himself because, you know, the, the IPL starts and, you know, bear in mind, I've had a, I've had a really tough winter, Erica, as I'm sure you can understand, you know, been up all night for some days and I've only had like the odd week off here and there. I would say the odd week, you know, a couple of weeks here and there, maybe three weeks. And then you're hurled back into having to do some actual work. And, you know, I'm a lazy man. And then I got given the IPL gig, I got 16 games in 30 days. I thought, this is great, but shit. I can't remember who plays for whom. And you put out the longest Twitter thread and the most perfect Twitter thread imaginable in which you broke down every single team, every single franchise by batting and bowling. You told me who to look out for 
uh, it basically saved my life. I keep referring to it, but most times I'm on actually, I just go straight to that and go, oh yeah, yeah, good draft Titans. They've got a, a yeah decent batting order now. Erica mentions it. And I can't tell you how helpful that is. So thank you. The check's in the post. No, oh, that's fine. No problem. I was, I was just about to say, when does the payment come? Yeah. Well, yeah, it, was not, it won't be large. But, you know. <laughs> don't expect, Erica, don't expect anything at all of him. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, I, I definitely get that impression. Philly's not seen <laughs> oh, a penny from this podcast. We're doing it over a year now. Um, now, you, you, I've noticed in a few of your tweets that you, you look at the age of teams. So uh, Sussex have got the oldest team in the county championship this season with an average age of 29.49. But Sussex, even with Stephen Finn, whose birthday it is today, by the way, I've got the you youngest. You just said Sussex team. twice. Oh, in sorry. Your, in your meant... yeah, in your in your attempted insult of me, you fucked it up. So fuck <laughs> you. Summer, <laughs> Somerset have got the oldest side of an average age of twenty nine point four nine, and Sussex have got the youngest side despite Stephen Finn's senior years at twenty five point five five. Now, Erica, in your experience. Does this mean anything? The younger sides perform better, older sides perform better, or is age just a number? Honestly, and I'm not just saying this because it's Finney's birthday and he's a day older now, but age really is just a number. You can look at it and you look at people like Darren Stevens who were just really outperforming their age. At, what, 46 years old, there's no way he should be performing at the level that he's performing. It's just unheard of. But then you can have 17-year-olds coming in to the championship and performing well. I think when I looked at this year, there's four 17-year-olds in the county squad. So I think quite a few counties are, are really starting to, to build for the future. I guess it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because with age comes experience, but also with the youth, you're sometimes not scarred by some of those poor experiences that you might have had in the past. So, Finney, yeah. you could go full Darren Stevens and still be going when you're 46 years old. You could be flailing the ball around Hove. That's 13 years away. If I'm doing that, someone needs to take me out and cast me off and just, just see the end of me. It could be, just shoot me, to be honest. If I'm doing that in 13 years' time, well, if I'm still wheeling myself out to bowl up the hill at Hove, then then I think there's something seriously wrong with me. If he's doing it in 13 years' time, then all my loving tutelage on the ball-by-ball commentary will clearly have failed, which, after <laughs> all, is my plan. <laughs> <laughs> You'll still now, be doing go. this there podcast that... unpaid in 13 years' time. We'll be on yeah, episode well, yeah, 2,756. I'll probably be paying for the pleasure by that stage. <laughs> what, what, what a treat that would be, but no, that... That's not a slight at Darren Stevens. It's more a slight at my body and its incapability to be able to last that long, I would say. So um, in 13 years' time, I anticipate needing two crutches, a couple of knee replacements and, and maybe even a hip replacement by then. Let's put, Erica on, let's put Erica on the spot, though, right? Because, you know, Finney, England bowler, 125 test wickets. He's, he's got, got a lot of things going for him. Is he in your fantasy side? He's playing in the second division. Ooh. He's going to be up against some ropey sides, Ooh. Erica. Would he be Would he be a tip? That's a bit harsh to put me under that pressure. It is, isn't it? It, yeah. it, is, it is harsh. Um, at the moment, I'm You can really, say no. <laughs> yeah, I'm really sorry, but you aren't in my team. But however, I am going to make some changes. So you, you, may, you may make it in eventually. Uh, okay. And my, my follow-up question today is because I, you, I, I'm sure you know I'm a Surrey fan. Um. Tell me what you think my team's prospects are this year, bearing in mind that England have turned their backs on all of our young stars and 
Jamie Smith is up and coming. Give me the lowdown on Surrey. I want to know. Okay, so Surrey have got the fifth best batting average in the whole of the 18 teams. So definitely top half. I think the batting average is just over 30 uh, and strike rate around about the 50 mark. I know the purists of cricket will tell you that strike rate doesn't matter in test cricket, but it does because you need to, you need to score quickly at times. So on the batting side, you're definitely up there. And on the bowling side, you are the sixth best team in Ooh. the whole championship. Uh, economy of 3.7 and bowling average of 30. So it isn't too bad. Um, so I, I think, I think it's looking quite good. This has got mid-table written game, all over it. That is the most bog-standard mid-table side I've ever heard in my bloody life, that Norcross. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, yeah. Well, I think that means we won't get relegated, though. So that actually, I mean, that's where I start from at the beginning of every year. Let's not get relegated. So that's good. Erica, you've given me hope. Good. I'm glad I have. And, <laughs> and who's, who are the teams to look out for? So if, if anyone's doing the fantasy cricket this year, which team piles on the runs? So Essex have actually got the best batting average, but to be honest, when you've got Cook in there with what, just under 50, there's no surprise on that. I think probably the one that that shocks people is actually uh, Nottingham. So they've got the third highest batting average in the whole tournament. Again, okay, being in Division 2, but I think Knots are actually going to score quite a lot of runs. So that would be one of my, would be a tip because generally the second division uh, players are a little bit cheaper in the fantasy league, so I'd be I'd be picking some not players for sure. So Finney, that's that's the week to have a car after straight, the I second reckon. week. Yeah, well, we play them this week. So, <laughs> can I ask you to do one thing? Like after this for us, right? I I, I believe I'm right in saying that, that there was a period of, a few years ago where nine out of the ten county championship winners were the sides who had the most number of runs after the loss of their fifth wicket. So. Wickets six to ten, right? And it was always the sides that had like really powerful tails that kept winning. So when we come out of this, can you send me just on the quiet who's got the best? Give me just give me the lowdown. Well, after they've lost the fifth wicket, because I'll have a look at that and I might I might adjust my uh, prognostications accordingly. Okay, I'll I'll see if I can prove your hypothesis for you. Thank you. <laughs> Erica, do you do requests? If our listeners tweet you at Erica Morris79, do you do requests? For a payment, yeah. No, I'm okay, really joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I have done a, I've had a couple of people sort of ask me what different players' averages are and whether I think I should put them in the team. But if they're playing the same league as me, then I, I purposely give them the wrong advice because I want to win. <laughs> well, Erica, thank you so much for joining us and uh, we'll get you back on as well. But uh, give Erica Morris at Erica Morris79 on Twitter a follow, uh, especially if you're doing a bit of fantasy cricket this season as well for all the tips that you need. And who's going to win the championship? Well, I've got to declare my allegiances. I'm a Warwickshire fan, so I'm going to say Warwickshire. But looking at their squad, I think they've kept the nucleus of a winning team, added a few good players. I, I can't see past Warwickshire winning, in my view. But I am biased. And second division? Uh, not so going to walk it. Unbelievable. Oh, well, they're playing, they're playing Finney on uh, Thursday. So let's let, we can test that hypothesis very soon. Sorry, Finney. Brilliant. That's right. <laughs> great. This is great. We've got, we've got Finney bowling against the team, which is really told us basically the best batting side in the division and are going to win the league. First game in of a snowstorm. In nine <laughs> degrees. This is perfect. This is wonderful, Finney. Oh, this is music to my ears. Erica, thank you so much. Have a lovely rest of your evening. Lovely to chat to you. No problem. Thank you. Thank, thanks for having me on, guys.
Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Erica. Cheers, Erica. Bye-bye. I bet you're delighted she joined us, Finney, just to give you that little bit of confidence just before the season started. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd had a pleasant day off today. It was my birthday, obviously, and was just having some downtime from the thoughts of having to play first-class cricket again on Thursday. And um, uh, yet, yet, um, yet again, same as usual, I've come onto this podcast with you two um, and I've left it thoroughly, thoroughly miserable. So, yeah, thank you. What are your plans for the rest of the evening, your big birthday evening? What are you going to do? Um, I might... I don't know. <laughs> Cheers, Sal. Edit that. Do you have to edit that? Do you have to edit that? It's too good. You don't. (laughs) No, you don't have to only do that on your birthday, Finny. You don't have to only do that on your birthday. You can just treat yourself just because it's a Monday. (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, No, what am I going to do? I'm going to finish Peaky Blinders because this this podcast interrupted me when I was 40 minutes into the uh, finale of Peaky Blinders, Um, and then I'll probably. Play with my cats for a bit and then go to bed. Oh, Peaky Blinders is amazing. Great ending. Oh. Great ending. Oh, yeah. Oh, wasn't great, it? Toby, wasn't it a great ending? Oh, I mean, do you want to talk about it now while Finney's on? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he'd love that. Uh, well, <laughs> You know, Finney... I actually won't turn up to this podcast ever again. If you do that. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, before I let you both go, we have seen the squads for the 100 2022 The squads have been announced and there are some huge names in both the men's and women's tournament. Uh, Glenn Maxwell's there. Kieran Pollard's there. Adam Zampa, David Miller. Nazim Shah, who I'm really excited to see. Andre Russell. Some massive names. Fafta Plessy, Dwayne Bravo, who just still loves it. Still, He's basically the Caribbean answer to Darren Stevens, Dwayne Bravo nowadays. Uh, Matthew Wade, Kane Richardson, Quinton the Cock, Marcus Stoyner. Some massive, massive names. Uh, And I'll go through the women's squads in a sec as well. But... Where do we think the hundreds at now as a tournament? So last year was the first time in the build-up there was a lot of negativity, I'd say. Then the success of the tournament, I felt like it won a lot of people over. But I worry now with the awful performances of the England Test team over the last few months that there's a bit of resentment seeping back in towards the hundred. Uh, what do you make of it, Finney? Where do you think the cricketing world is on the hundred at the moment? Uh, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I thought we touched on it earlier. Um, in the podcast where I think the women's side of the game benefited hugely from the 100. I know that I became a lot more aware of a lot of women's players and it gave access to people to be able to see those guys playing in the games and and the fact that they were double-headers, I think, really helped that as well. Um, So it was certainly fantastic for that. I think that COVID, etc., curtailed the, the crowds and, and stuff at the games, which I think will be a big part of it. But a few of the games that I played in, the crowds were very partisan and got behind the teams that were playing, which I think people were sceptical about. But naturally, there will be cynicism around the tournament if the test team don't play well this summer. Um, and they've got some tough challenges. They're playing against South Africa and New Zealand, two of the best teams in the world and two of the hardest people to play against. And I think a lot of the the resentment towards the tournament will be gauged on how the test team does because it will just be another opportunity for people to point the finger at it if the test team don't end up playing better cricket. I've got a bit of a hot take, as the youth say, and it's that actually the best thing that could possibly have happened to the 100 happened last year. They had a soft launch, basically. And what that meant was People needed cricket. They were still gagging for cricket. We were in COVID land. But it wasn't the tournament that the, the 
tournament planners had hoped they were going to get because they didn't have the overseas names because of COVID at the same time. So they actually had this chance in a very fertile environment where people were like gagging for cricket and live entertainment to put something out there, which they did. And this year is going to be the real test of it. Will the players that they have in it this year, and I think there's a good chance that they will because they're going to get a lot more overseas pros in there. I think the quality is going to be better. I think it's going to be a better spectacle as a result. Will that make it fly? But there's a lot of pressure on it because I say all that, I preface that by saying that I, a bit like Vic Marks and and other people, other old fuddy-duddies like me, thought they should have had a souped-up two-division T20 tournament. And I never really thought that the the one that the, the 100 was necessary or a good idea. I felt I was slightly proved wrong actually last year because as Finney said, people did get into those teams. They did get into those franchises and those ideas. But this year will be the test because this year they'll get the players that they can get and will it be good enough? We'll find out. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And it's worth mentioning that England were batting crap in the test side before the 100 came along. The 100 is oh, responsible. God, yeah. It's not that the 100 is responsible for everything bad that happens in English well, cricket, despite they, what some journalists seem to think on Twitter. God, none, none of the England players were playing in the 100, were they? I mean, you know, yeah. Bonnie Pope wasn't playing in the 100, was he? Rory Burns wasn't playing in the 100. Hassi no. Bami wasn't playing in the 100. Yeah, um, exactly. Zach Crawley was barely playing in the 100 if he was playing at all. No. <laughs> it, that's what I mean. I, I don't mean that I think that that is the case. I just think it's an easy thing for people yeah. to point the finger at. But I think the 100 was fantastic last year. And I think that with the upping quality of overseas players, that can only be a good thing. To have the best players in the country playing against each other is also a good thing to condense that talent pool. And yeah, the, the, the only question mark is the format, isn't it, really? And, and, and whether that works in with those players and with, um, with the after the soft launch, as Dan said. So... Um, I think it will be a success. I, I think that they will make it a success um, and they'll build on the foundation that they laid last year. It's just going to be a really interesting summer to see how it pans out. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think even the most ardent anti-100 cricket fan last season was pleasantly surprised by how enjoyable the tournament was. And it was, once the game started, it was cricket and everybody bloody loves cricket. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Uh, but some names in the women's game. Beth Mooney's there. Uh, lots of the Australian team that uh, played in the World Cup just gone as well. Jemima Rodriguez, who's so good to watch. Elisa Healy's there. Um, we've got Meg Lannings on the, in, in one of the squads there. Talia McGrath as well. Elise oh. Perry, so many good players. But I think oh. one of my favourite things about the women's side of the 100 last year was that in amongst all the big names, there was sort of new names becoming household names. Tash Farrant was absolutely unbelievable last year. She kind of became a household name overnight. Uh, so loads of exciting names on both those men's and women's squads. That's yet- that's really that's a really interesting thing, though, Toby. That 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 the women's, I mean, the women's tournament was so good in the first year, and now with the Aussies in there, it's going to be really good. I mean, it's really going to rival the women's big bash. There is there's going to be two short form tournaments, and it's going to be women's big bash and the hundred because if the hundred can get those players playing, get those Aussies over here, which they didn't have last year because of COVID, then for the women's side of the tournament, I think it's going to be like a, an elite, an elite tournament. Mm, I completely agree. Like I said to Chris Addison earlier, I found myself watching the women's games way more than the men's games last year in the hundred. I thought it was absolutely superb. Well, chaps, uh, I still think it's an outrage and a disgrace that Finney didn't get a hundred contract this year. Uh, but nonetheless, we'll, we'll have to buy the drinks next time. 
because he's broke, poor Finney, nowadays. Um, but you've obviously got the BT Sport money to fall back on at any point, I suppose. Chats, lovely to see you, uh, Finney. I'll let you get back to your birthday in the last episode of Peaky Blinders. But uh, see you next week, chaps. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.